0: The one sure sign that you can trust someone or an ideology, a leader, a religion, or an organization is that if they don't allow you to criticize them or disagree with them. Take, for instance, communism, Marxism, and the USSR, a completely trustworthy government organization worldview that disappeared hundreds, well, disappeared millions of peoples and Killed, end up killing hundreds of millions of people in the dead of night by sending them to the gulags. What a bold and commendable step to follow. What you believe to the very fullness. They were a true warrior class, a brave group of people who followed orders because they knew that if they didn't follow those orders, they would wind up in the same gulags, torture chambers, and dead. Or take your toxic boss friend or significant other you walk around that person on eggshells cuz heaven forbid you would point out a blind spot because it would come right back at you with blame, fury, and maybe even firing or worse, public berating and passive aggression. You can be sure that you can trust this person and you should respect them for being so manipulative. This is a praise-worthy quality. That is really missing from society today. Someone willing to commit an act of violence and abuse in order to defend what they believe? Unprecedented. This is a sign that that person or worldview is to be praised and right, righteous and trustworthy. And this isn't just in recent history. Take the Spanish Inquisition. It was one of the most upright institutions of the Catholic Church in the 1400s, inventing the most revolutionary torture devices to strike terror in the hearts of anyone who might dare speak out against the terror and dark practices of the Inquisition, thereby proving that the Inquisition was righteous, just, true, and a completely trustworthy organization. In fact, if you find a person or belief system that is willing to accept criticism, examine its blind spots, or criticize its own shortcoming, refuses to, re- to return insults with violence, you should run. For sure, that level of meekness, self-control, and humility is a sign that that person, or ideology won't last, it's a sign that that belief system isn't really worth fighting for. It is weak, untrustworthy, unsure. If someone isn't willing to commit the most heinous crimes to defend their deviance, then what do they really have? Take, for instance, the one and only Will Smith. He wasn't going to let Chris Rock humiliate his wife, who humiliated him on the Oscars, a show that no one was watching. So he took action and responded with violence, standing up for what he believes. Or a couple of years ago, that fight between Habib and Connor, when Habib and his motley gang assaulted Connor and Connor's uh, co workers or co conspirators because of Connor's truly vile comments and insults, Khabib's violence proves that Khabib has the moral high ground, a praiseworthy metaphysical worldview, proving that the mores of his life are standards that we should all strive to live by. I mean, if you really believe in something, if you really believe it and someone insults your belief, someone disagrees and affronts what you believe, I'm not sure you really believe it unless you respond with the emotional maturity and restraint of a mother bear in heat, separated from her cubs. Or science. Don't question the science. Before, when science was a weak and frail study, it allowed itself to be questioned. In fact, the whole idea of science was to question itself. No. More. A new era has come, and we can finally trust the science. And if we dare use science to question science, we will quickly find out that you will be silenced, name-called, canceled, be called anti-science, scientophobic. phobic And this level of totalitarian and authoritarian control by the high priests of science, backed by the power of the uh, government, is proof that we should accept and never question what the high priests of science command us to believe. Or remember BLM, who can't account for tens of millions of dollars that they raised. Remember how they burned down billions of dollars of small businesses and looted major stores across America, assaulted people eating at restaurants because they refused to say that Black Lives Matter. And how they called anyone racist if they weren't racist against white people. Yes, indeed, this level of mastery of propaganda, programming, and terror is the very proof that BLM is about love, peace, and tolerance. In short, you can trust totalitarian organizations, ideologies, and worldviews, and authoritarian people. If you can't criticize that person, if that person is unwilling to see any blind spots, that's how you can be sure that you can follow them even to your grave. If you can't criticize a worldview, then by golly, it must be great and it must be the truth. Hey, it's Lucas Robot and you're listening to The Lucas Robot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future episode Two hundred and seventy-eight. It is April fourteenth, two thousand and twenty-two, and I have been thinking more and more about exiting the metaverse, exiting this this world of digital transactions and interactions. Because one, it feels it feels so draining to me. It feels so tiring to me. And it, it it feels so fake. I, I I don't know about you, but over the past two years, my world has increasingly pushed towards mediated relationships. My world has been pushed more and more to having engagements online, connections online, meetings online mediated by Zoom and screens. I mean, right now our relationship is being mitigated by half a dozen screens or a dozen screens in front of me and the the podcast player or video screen in front of you. This metaverse that we live in, it lacks a level of substance. It lacks a level of something real. And I have been struggling in so many ways with the, the lack of Connection that I am feeling in the world around me. Everything's beginning to feel so mediated, so meta. And tying it into the the intro, we are actually going to talk about that. I realize I didn't introduce that well. We're going to talk about this intro a little later in the show. Uh, It does tie in. But when we live in a world that is mediated, when we live in a world where you have to censor not even censor what you say, but you never know if what you say on a, on a platform is going to cause you to be canceled. Where you don't have freedom of speech. We don't have freedom of expression, where you don't have the ability to have a conversation without the risk of retaliation by a certain group, whatever that group might be. It grows tiring. And in this, the mediated world, everything is a microtransaction. Every stroke of your keyboard is a transaction of sorts with another mediated, another metaverse. Uh, I had a conversation this week with Dr. Richard Smith, and we were talking about uh, Dr. Wolfgang Smith's, uh, not related, work and his work on metaphysics. And this is an episode that will be airing in a few weeks. Highly recommended. I, I'm still, the thoughts and the ideas that we talked about are still rolling through my head and really impacting me on, on a deeper level because it's been something that I've been thinking about, these mediated relationships. And in this interview, we, we spoke about the digital world, the falsified uh, transactional world where we paint our best face where we we mediate our personality and who we are, and we upload little bits and pieces of ourselves, creating a digital identity, creating a digital self. Even this podcast, this is just a slice of my life that is comprising of my digital avatar that lives online. That you are engaging with my digital avatar, not necessarily me as my person, even though I would love more of that. I would love to have more in-person conversations. But all of this, all of these screens, all of these media mediated engagements or relationships, social media that we think we're actually engaging and connecting with people when really it's it's leaving us feeling more and more empty has drawn me to realize that we need to be moored to the real world, to the real society, flesh and blood around us. And now this might just be unique to me as a content creator, as as someone who works in in the realm of thoughts and ideas, I can often tend to isolate myself. But in this interview that we were talking with uh, Dr. Richard Smith, we were talking about the corporeal world. And this is the world of that which we can feel and touch and and not just quantitatively, but qualitatively. That peace, justice, kindness, all these ideas of even breaking your word, how, how can that be measure, measured? Those are things of the corporeal world where we have a soul, where we have a spirit. But the metaverse is spiritless. The metaverse and AI is emotionless. The metaverse is devoid from life ai is devoid from actual life it's not intelligence it is just programming and algorithms there's computers have tried and, and to simulate life scientists have tried to simulate life but they have not been able to we've only been able to create life from life we've not been able to create life forms on its own by ourselves which says that in the in the in the world that we live in, there is a metaphysical realm. there is a realm outside of the physical atoms and photons and electrons that we can see and measure. There is a world outside of that, and that world exists in the the actual natural world that we engage in, of doing things with your hands. So, in the last couple of years, as I said, I've drawn to these meta engagements and have been feeling this lack personally of real world work, working with my hands, working with uh, the, the community around me. And so I bring that up. I bring that up because we are increasingly being pushed as a society into a meta world into the metaverse everything being pushed by media by engagements on social media where everything is a transaction where our minds are becoming to be rewired where our children's minds are being rewired to really become the fuel and the engine for these tech companies just like in the matrix where we are plugged into the matrix and we become the generators to generate the power of the internet. It's our user content that we're putting on. It's our likes and scrolling and liking that's driving the advertising sales, that's keeping these things alive. And it's at the expense. It's at the expense of our emotional well-being. It's at the expense of our relationships. It's at the expense of fulfillment, real fulfillment in life. Now, clearly, I believe in media, I believe that it's worth taking the time and the effort and the energy to putting your life work out there to engage in society and to have those conversations and communications, to take the time to post something so people can read it and see it, to create the time to create a podcast as it helps you develop your own language, to help you develop your own thoughts of how you see the world. Because talking is thinking. The way that we think is through conversation. The way that we organize our thoughts is through conversation. Without the freedom and without giving the time and the space to talk things through, we'll never give time and space to think things through. We'll never give ourselves the ability to know what we think. And if we never give ourselves The ability to know what we think, we will never give ourselves the opportunity to know what we actually believe and to come to some sort of position and decision on what we believe. Because the freedom of belief is directly tied to the freedom of speech. If we have freedom of speech and the freedom to explore, ideas in speech, we can then organize our thoughts, and our thoughts then enable us to discern what we actually believe. And this is how it it ties in, the whole tie-in from this beginning section to to the intro, is that the mediated world is controlling speech, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google, they're controlling speech. They're shaping speech and therefore they're shaping thought. And anyone who decides to go against the grain is labeled, doxxed, canceled. They lose the ability to enter into that Public form, which really isn't a public form. It's a controlled and mediated environment that gives us the illusion of having a completely public form, a completely open form. And when we see ideologies being pushed in the world that you're not able to question, you're not able to disagree with, that you're not able to criticize, that you're not able to make fun of, that you're not able to make light of, if there are ideologies, belief systems in the world that refuse criticism of itself, one that it's evidence of a totalitarian uh, worldview, authoritarian worldview. If no one is able to take, open the curtains or take a step past the curtains and say, "Hey, the inner workings of this thing." There's a lot of problems with it. There's a lot of problems with the inner workings of this worldview, the inner workings of this policy, the inner workings of this movement. There's some major issues. If you can't do that, if there's not the freedom to do that, that is a major, major red flag. Incredible red flag. But instead, what we're seeing, we're seeing people praising, we're seeing people. Praising those who are of a quote unquote warrior class, who refuse to be criticized, who won't let themselves be insulted, who refuse to have questions posed against it, criticisms posed against it without retaliating in some sort of violence or action to defend itself. Those worldviews. Those ideologies are not, are not the ways to life. They're not the ways to living a life that is free. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we've exchanged the truth for lies and reason for post-modern irrationality, the absurd finally makes sense. Well, as I said, uh, I've been sent a couple videos this week where people have been praising ideas organizations movements that do not allow any sort of criticism or insults to me be made against it and this is uh, i believe it's one it's dangerous for those to be in the world because when we look at the the long history of when any organization has adopted that position for, as i mentioned in the introduction the, the catholic church with the spanish inquisition where they wouldn't allow any any level of criticism or disagreement they were called heretics and people were burned at the stake people were tortured in torture chambers uh, beheaded because you disagreed with the the state religion combo because you disagreed with that and now we're seeing it in the west with scientism but it has always led to destruction of people, to the annihilation of people, of anyone who stands in their way. But now there is a movement. It's probably always been there, but there's a resurgence of talk of saying it is good to not just do eye for an eye, but if someone insults you that you need to retaliate tenfold If you want to be a person who is respected in this world. Well, I came across a clip by Mohammed al-Kurd, Kurd, who is from Palestine, who is from Sheikh Jarrah, a famous activist for Palestine. And he was re- recently talking at the University of Arizona State, and someone secretly recorded. His talk, and he's been going around all these universities getting paid five, ten thousand dollars to give talks on Palestine. And this is what Mohammed had to say. Here's a clip. Um, I suspect some apartheid lovers are here too, um, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I was gonna read a couple of poems. If you heckle me, you will get shot. If you heckle me, you will get shot. Here he is at Arizona State University. Being invited to speak. And obviously this is, you know, people will say, Well, this is a joke. Clearly it was a joke. However, it's it's not really a, something that you should joke about. Saying if you heckle me, you will get shot. But this is the, this is the face of the ideology that if you insult me, if you heckle me, and it's not just this ideology in activism, but it's in many different forms of activism, that if you are insulted or heckled or disagreed with, we will respond with violence. Why? Because that creates a level of terror, of fear, where people don't want to disagree with that organization because you never can be sure What sort of backlash will happen? This is the definition of terrorism beyond what it's uh, become to be known as today when we talk about, quote unquote, terrorism. But this is terror. This doesn't just happen uh, on a governmental level or a massive level. This can happen in homes. When, when you are around someone that you're always walking on eggshells with, you never know if you say something, if you will get shot, whether that happens through uh, an explosion of verbal abuse or whether that happens through actual physical abuse. This is individuals creating a level of terror in their surrounding to control their environment. And when when you look at what Muhammad here said in context, in context of other things that he said, at a previous talk, Muhammad Al Kurd was asked if Palestine, asked what would happen to Israelis if Palestine took all the land, citing what he says and many uh, Palestinian activists say, which is from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free, which is truly a call of ethnic cleansing of Jews out of Palestine. And the keynote speaker, who's being paid tens of thousands of dollars by these universities, said, quote, I don't care. I truly, sincerely don't give an F. This is this is the face of activism, which is I do not have mercy or compassion on anyone else. All I care about is that I get my way and I will get my way, even if that means that I need to incite violence and incite fear against those who disagree with me. If you make fun of me, I'll slap you. If you insult my beliefs and criticize my worldview, I will incite violence against you. I will Past a spirit of terror into people because if you walk on eggshells, if you're walking in terror, I will be able to control the environment and control the situation because you won't be a force to be reckoned with. And no one would dare call out my my blind spots, my dark spots, my weak spots, because they would know that they would have their day of reckoning. Again, it's not just with activism, but we saw this manifest with Will Smith when he slapped Chris Rock. We saw that this week when an ump at a softball game in America, a female ump got punched by a mom because the mom didn't like the call. We saw this with the Habib versus Connor fight. We saw this with the Charlie Hebdo shootings. We saw this and have seen it recently with Silent, science, follow the science. Don't question the science. Trust the science. We witnessed it with BLM. We, it, it's pervasive across society. And this is a quality that some people have begun to praise and glorify as as being alpha, something that alpha males do, that this is great because alpha males, strong men, a warrior class fights for what they believe. That those who retaliate with 10 times force when slapped, questioned, or criticized, or insulted is something that we need more of. And again, it's been through history. We've seen it with the Catholic Church, disappearing people in the 1400s, the USSR, communism, China. Cambodia, sending millions to the gulags, and ultimately to brick walls in the back. We've seen it with Twitter and Facebook disappearing people off of media platforms to make sure that you can't speak the truth. You can't say anymore that a man is a man, and a woman is a woman, and a man cannot become a woman. That is now by Twitter's standards considered hate speech. Now what's being praised is abusive men, like Andrew Tate, who is a kickboxing fighter, and a re- reality TV star from Big Brother, who got kicked off the show because of beating a woman on the show. This person is now this is being praised and celebrated for openly talking about how to manipulate women, how to get women, how to oppress women, how to never apologize, even suggesting that women bear responsibility for being raped. He's praising worldviews and ideologies that explicitly and explicitly praising that they're stripping women of their dignity and that men should have multiple women that they're able to sleep around with because this is the biological alpha male that men should manifest despicable. I don't think, I don't think people should be become beta males who are passive like Ahab who just sulk and, And don't take action, who don't take responsibility, who aren't willing to stand up and be strong, but people should become like Omega males, which is Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. An Omega male is someone who has strength, who has power, but who has emotional stability and maturity to restrain their power and use gentleness rather than just crushing their opposition. An Omega male is someone who. Cares for, lifts up, loves, and defends their wife and their family, not seeks to oppress it, to never apologize to their wife. And the fact that this is something that's being praised in society on a whole, whether it's secular or, or, or religious societies, unbelievable. But this is what's being exalted. And these are ideologies. These are red flags and ideologies that should make you stop and say, wait a minute, why am I not allowed to ask a question? Why am I not allowed to criticize? Why am I not allowed to put out, to point out blind spots or weak spots or, or, or legitimate criticisms without being then turned and being insulted or attacked or blocked or canceled? Why is this? Why? Those movements should be questioned. Because that, those those all might be examples of power, of people who are powerful, and power is very attractive to many. It's examples of power, but it's not an example of meekness. Meekness is power under control, the sheathing of a sword. You have the sword, you have the weapon, but you don't need to take it out. And meekness is the way of truth, not retaliation, revenge, violence, depravity, and silencing those who disagree with you with threats and terror. Well, this show is brought to you by viewers and listeners just like you. This is a value for value podcast. We don't have massive advertisements here on the show, but instead it's supported by people like you who give value for the value that they get back out of the show whether it's giving $1 per episode or whether it's giving $20 a month or $100 a month. Whatever value that you get, we ask that you, if you value the show and you want to see it grow, that you would consider giving value back to the show and the value that you received. You can do that by visiting lucasrobotcom slash support or through listening on a 2.0 podcast listening app like Breeze, Sphinx, or Podfriend where you can upload your satoshis, and you can stream them as you listen. Don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destinies. Today's quote is ancient. It comes from someone who is ancient at least. Uh, Warren Buffett, the man, the myth, the legend, he said, Only when you combine sound intellect with emotional discipline do you get rational behavior. Only when you combine sound intellect with emotional discipline do you get rational behavior. What I love about Warren Buffett is that he says, Do not invest in any business that you don't understand. And that's where I feel and I think that as we look into the future and we see that there are warning signs that there's a coming recession in the globe, inflation at an all-time high, and we're looking how to apply wisdom to our life to own our future, to create the future that we want, to not be passive. How do we do that? One, we have to be a part of the corporeal world, the world that is physically around us, not just betting on the metaverse, not just betting on technology. And then another way that we must move forward in the times that are coming, whether it's a a global recession or depression or something else, even in good times. It is, as he said, needing both sound intellect and emotional discipline. All the the examples that we gave on today's show showed people who are not exercising emotional discipline and restraint, and therefore we're getting irrational behavior. Or we see movements who don't have sound intellect, and then they're taking that sound intellect or unsound intellect, like communism, socialism, Marxism, to its full extent, and it becomes something that's very irrational. It becomes something that's very destructive. So as we move forward in our lives, we need both of those things. We need the emotional intelligence, intelligence, the emotional discipline to stay focused, to stay in meekness and kindness, to stay not as someone who is aggressive, manipulative, and controlling, casting fear into the hearts of everyone around us, but we are someone who brings Gentleness and kindness. And when we are treated with contempt and hatred, instead of responding with revenge to cast fear and terror into the hearts of everyone around us so that we can control our environment, instead we react with gentleness and emotional discipline. And likewise, we need to think soundly. We need to be of a sober mind as we move into these years ahead, no matter what comes. Even today, we need to have a sound intellect in order to operate in a rational manner in the coming years because that is how we will really own our futures. That is how we will weave our destiny. It's through wisdom. Through wisdom, and wisdom is not just knowledge. But it's knowledge applied and that application is the emotional discipline. Well, if you got value out of this and you want to get more value out of it, we ask that you share this show with a friend. Friends are normally best. I mean, you can share it with someone who's not your friend, but that normally that normally comes out sideways as passive aggressive if you're trying to get a a point across as someone who's not your friend by sending them something that they know that you know that they're going to totally disagree with. So send it to a friend that would appreciate it. If you appreciate the show, that's one way that you can give back to the show. That is all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope that you go out this week in kindness, and meekness, and gentleness, that you do not retaliate when you are insulted, when you are criticized, but that we grow in meekness and humility grow in emotional discipline, sound intellect, that we would walk and own our futures with rational behavior.